I have chosen to share from a Bible portion, which is from Psalm 73. And if you have a Bible, you can turn to it. You might like to do that. But if you don't have it, especially if you're a newcomer, don't worry. Whatever I'm going to speak from that particular Psalm in the Bible, the verses will come up on the screen. So you would not have to worry at all. I want to start by telling you the... So this message is entitled, The View from the Sanctuary. The view from the sanctuary. To start with, I just want to tell you the story which you may have been familiar, would have heard it many times throughout your uh, few decades of life. The story about six people who were blindfolded as a part of a game and the game coordinator took the six people to an elephant and allowed them to touch a part of the elephant. And to describe, based on their experience, what was it that they were touching. And you all know that somebody who touched the, 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 the first guy who touched the tail, and his experience was he felt it was a rope. Another guy touched the legs of the elephant and concluded, according to his experience, that it was a trunk of a tree. The third guy touched the elephant's body and said that according to his experience, it was a wall. And the fourth guy touched the trunk of the elephant which moved and he thought it was a snake. And the fifth guy touched the ear of the elephant and the the ear moved and he got a nice breeze and he thought, well, it was a fan. That was his experience, a very valid experience. The sixth guy touched the tusks and said it was some kind of a sharp weapon which looked like a sword except that it was round. Notice all six guys had experienced and hence made that conclusion. And then they began to argue with each other based on what they had experienced. They became dogmatic about their own view and criticized the view of the other guys. Finally, the games coordinator allowed them to remove their blindfolds and they were shocked to what they saw. And it was nowhere near just a pillar or a rope or a snake, or a wall. It was totally different. A huge elephant. And they realized all of them had genuine experience, but their experience, the conclusion of the experience, was totally wrong. Their viewpoint had completely changed once they saw the reality. And they needed to know, though they were valid, genuine, good experiences, the reality was far different. And we're going to see the same thing happen to a man called Asaph from the Bible who has written this particular Psalm 73. And let's look at what he experienced and what was the ultimate reality. All right? So he says, to start with general view, as it is verse 1, this general view is a theoretical view. Surely God is good to Israel. Israel are considered to be people of God. So just Read it as, God is good to his people, to those who are pure in heart. And that is true. He, he agrees that uh, in general, theoretically speaking, the Almighty is good to his people who are pure in heart, who are considered to his, generally speaking. And Asaph is of the opinion, he is also a pure in heart, he is also a good guy, and therefore he presumes God will be good to me as well based on his own 
credentials that he is pure in heart based on his own feeling that he is uh, some member of God's chosen community of people. So God should be there. He said, I know that. I know God is good. However, he begins to talk of his experience which was looking contrary to what he felt was the truth. So his real experiential view in real life said, one, he was confused by the first, by the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 3 says, For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. It bothered Asaph that the wicked person prospered while so-called God's children who were selected were suffering. Alright? As I look around and you look around this building, I do not know who who owns these buildings or who owns those businesses. I don't know whether they are God's people. Doesn't look like, I don't know. <laughs> but they are prosperous. Does anybody own something like this? But they look prosperous. And so he says, I am following God. I am pure in heart. But those, apparently those who are corrupt, those who do a lot of bribery and extortion and, uh, you know, do a lot of Heraphery as it were, but still they are prosperous, but how come I am trying to be pure in heart? That is what Asaph is saying. And he was confused. It doesn't tie up. I know God is good to those God's people. God is good to those in pure in heart, but I find those who should not be blessed are blessed and are confused. He was, he was confused to start with by the prosperity of the wicked. Secondly, he was confused by the peace that the wicked enjoyed. Verse 4, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are no struggles. Uh, right now, I have some knee problem. Last year, I went through some knee surgery. And uh, so I sometimes struggle while climbing up steps. And of late, the left knee also is trying to give me some difficulty. My wife has come, uh, you know, some irritation on the throat, a long-term allergy. And so we wonder... Do they have problems? <laughs> I don't know. But it looks like they look healthy, they look strong, and they look healthy, uh, and they seem to have no struggle. Whatever is in their mind or heart, they just do it, and while we have to uh, be careful of the whole thing. He watched the wicked live in lives of sin, and they enjoyed good health. They seem to be free of many struggles that we people enjoy. Thirdly, he was confused by the by the pleasures of the wicked. Verse 5 he says, they are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. He was astounded that the wicked could live the lives of such sin and do so without trouble. Their good times seem to just roll on and on. They do not look stressed. They do not seem to carry any burdens. They look carefree. It disturbed him. He got further confused. He was confused by the pride of the wicked. Verse 6 to 11 says, Therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limit. They scoff, speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possessions of the earth. Therefore their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? Now, these people seem to have a big fan club. 
so these people drink from abundance from these people they are these are the celebrities they are wicked but they are celebrities and because of their celebrities there are lots of people who throng around them and want their autograph and want to imitate and follow them and that's how their perspective is so he is shocked that pride is their necklace and uh, uh, they they not only are up, they are violent to the people but they speak mockingly of god does god almighty know anything and uh, and so this is how they that is how their lives are and if you notice the words pride violence callous hearts iniquity unlimited evil imagination scoffing malice arrogant oppression claims of heaven and possessing the earth boastful and asaph is absolutely confused by these people's posture all right so he must be taking a good walk around the city seeing uh, the whole thing and he feels that he himself is a minority technically he should be blessed because he is so called pure in heart technically he should be fine but how come theoretically god is good to his people god is good to people but how come i find that instead of me receiving the blessing the others are receiving the blessing further he was confused by the progress of the wicked the progress of the wicked was 12 this is what the wicked are like always carefree they go on amassing wealth i mean their wealth seems to be going bigger and bigger there is no limit to their growth and increase they are free in hindi they use the word bindas carefree and that is what they are so what was the effect as he did as he had his experience he came to some conclusion this was his experience just like those six fellows who checked various parts they had experience and they came to some conclusion that this is a wall or this is a rope or this is a snake this was the conclusion number 1 he was filled with envy for i envied the arrogant verse 3 he could not comprehend as to why good people suffer and bad people prosper this resulted in envy he wanted what they had and he was not happy with what they had secondly he almost lost his equilibrium he lost his balance was too said as for me my feet had almost slipped i had nearly lost my foothold all right he almost was going to fall he thought there was injustice i felt god is not fair that must have made him angry and he became destabilized he was destabilized thirdly the resultant effect on him was he was embarrassed about his own faith he said was 13 and 14 surely in vain i have kept my heart pure and i washed my hands in innocence all day long i have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishment he may be thinking i am reading god's word daily i am reading god's word daily i have been meditating i have been examining my heart i have been confessing whatever i feel convicted about i periodically repent i forsake sin i do not deal with the deals these people have black and white and uh, that all the black and white transaction i try to live above reproach but see what is the result i only experience affliction and new punishment every day new ones but the wicked continue to hoard they have black money they get richer and richer they amass wealth they face no affliction and uh, they are relaxing and this really irritates them and so uh, asaph was embarrassed about his faith 
uh, surely in vain have I kept my heart pure and, and uh, washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted and every morning brings new punishment. Not only that, he had no explanation for the disconnect. He said, here is my faith, here is my understanding of God, understanding of his principle, but my experience is far different. So he did not understand why this disconnect. When I tried to understand, verse 16, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. He could not know if this is the truth, why does my experience not tie up with the truth? There has to be some explanation. And so here is the problem. I do not know, uh, I, I don't know most of you, which is one way good, so that I can speak freely. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether you experience that. You could say, I am doing this, that, and another. I am doing my penance. I give grand donation to X, Y, Z, and I pray my prayers, or I visit the pilgrim spots, or I am regularly at the church. How come I am still struggling? Maybe that's... How come the other guys don't do what I'm doing, but they are going happy-go-lucky, but I am the one... In trip. Perhaps that's your, that's your experience as well. Now, up till now, till this particular verse 16, you find this is the trend in which he's going. Then something happens to him. Verse 17, Till I entered, entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. When he entered the sanctuary of God, he understood something. When he went to the sanctuary of God, uh, it was like those six people whose blindfold got removed and suddenly they realized what was the truth. And I think that is what happened to him. Uh, suddenly, reality struck him and I think that reality really helped him well. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their destiny. When he entered the sanctuary of God, it is like as good as saying where God dwells and God dwells in the church. So he perhaps must have gone to a church service. And when he went to the church service, in the church service, he gained a perspective of reality measured from another angle altogether. He was measuring it in a certain blindfolded way, but now he's seeing the reality. It changes perspective, it changes focus, it changes understanding, it changed his desires. He was now standing on another level altogether and that clarified all his confusion and all that was clouding his mind, he became very clear. And he gained understanding we did not have when he was viewing that situation from the human point of view, which is more like a ground level view and his eyes were open to something totally different. When he went to the sanctuary, he saw some reality. His blindfolds were removed. What did he see? He saw the future of the wicked. It says, verse 17 to 21, Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Not the current picture, but he got a panoramic view. In the sanctuary, he had a, a view which gives him from one place to the other end a final destiny, the future, especially the future. He said, surely you place them on slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin. There is something happening in the future which he did not know earlier. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely 
swept away by terrorists. They are like a dream when one awakens, when you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. Just follow with me another illustration. I gave you the first one of the elephant, but this one, follow the second one. Imagine you are on the side of a river, there's a small pathway, and you are riding a bicycle. And this bicycle that you're riding on this particular road, this road is at the side of the river, but you are going to climb up and up because you're climbing up a hill. And on the top of the hill is the sanctuary. Perhaps your church is located on the top of the hill. And you're going to ride your bicycle to go up. But while you are at the river level, maybe one or two feet above the river level, river water level, there you find there is a beautiful uh, river cruise ship that is going along that place. And you are going on this road and you can see this ship, beautiful ship. But as you climb higher and higher, you are looking at the ship from different angles and you are very close to the ship and you are seeing certain things in this particular ship. You find there are a bunch of people who are happy-go-lucky, enjoying themselves. Um, perhaps they are drinking um, some alcohol which they are giving them a high and they look really thrilled and you know with the, whatever is happening there. There are some dancing going on and, and so that is there and you know certain uh, lewd behavior is going on and uh, they look very carefree as I said earlier Bindas they were uh, enjoying themselves they have money they can enjoy the cruise and uh, he and you are as you are going on this bicycle it is an upward climb so you are really sweating it out and your, your goal is good goal you are going to the church you are a good man a good lady and then uh, you are going up and you are looking at it and saying that's not fair that's not fair. I, I, I'm not able to enjoy life like they're enjoying. I'm not able to uh, feel good like they're feeling. How carefree they are. They're least bothered. They have no norms, no boundaries, no rules, no regulations. They can do whatever they want. And they are enjoying life to the full. And as you go up, finally you reach to the top. And you are exhausted. You are sweating and perspiring. and You are feeling like Asa felt envious, you know, confused almost losing your balance and so on and so forth and you reach there and then you park your bicycle there at the entrance of this particular maybe a small country church that is there and from there you look down now the river is far below you can see the cruise liner going there but from that view on the top of the hill you are able to see where the river came from you are seeing now where the ship is the boat is the cruise liner is but then you also get to see where the ship is going. And when you look ahead, you are horrified to see that this river is going to have a waterfall. And if this captain of the ship doesn't take a remedial action in time, this ship is going to a total disaster. These people don't know anything. Within no time, their tragedy is just around the corner. And you get shocked. Now this is what happened to Asaph. He got another angle view, a perspective, a sanctuary view. Earlier it was a ground level view, a human view, a humanistic view. But now he got a, as it were, a, a divine view. Let's read that again. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, till I reached the hilltop, then I understood their final 
destiny. Surely you place them on a slippery ground, you cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream. When one awakens, when you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. I think that's what it is like. He saw the future of those who are bold and beautiful, rich and powerful. They appeared successful. They appeared, you know, absolutely carefree. But what was the current scenario is not what was happening in the future in their life. Secondly, he saw the foolishness of his own self. Now, he thought he was pure in heart. He thought he is fine. He thought, I'm doing all my duties that I'm supposed to do. He said, verse 21, 22, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Notice the word I, me and myself. This is the unholy trinity. In the sanctuary, you get a, you get, can spot the real condition of not those in the boat. You get a view of what you really are. And that is humbling. Because God is not asking us to focus on the names I read out. God is focusing on us. Remember, he was filled with envy. He lost his equilibrium. He was embarrassed about his faith and had no explanation about the disconnect. This happened because he had a wrong value system inside of him. Somehow equated his material blessing or having position, health and wealth meant happiness. He thought what was happening on board ship, that was the sign of happiness or success. That is not a sign of happiness. There is something inside us which has to be reconciled in order to be affected if you are bold and beautiful, rich and powerful, then is that the definition of success? If that is the value of our life, it will produce a discontentment in us as it produced it in Aesop. His religion, his value system was not giving him happiness and neither making him successful. As the psalmist said in another place, search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Sanctuary view allows your heart to be audited. It corrects your wrong foundation that is laid in our heart. Not only he saw what was the shortcomings in his whole heart, because of which there was a disconnect, he saw the fullness of God the Savior, presence of God. Verse 23, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. Now, you hold me by my right hand. Now, when a father and son are walking, a small kid is there. We have one kid around here. I saw him. Felix's kid. Now, it is possible the kid to hold his dad's hand and walk. But in this case, we are told, you hold me by your right hand. There is a difference. Because we as kids, if we are walking around looking all over, enamored by this glamour world, and leading to long conclusion, you may forget the potholes that are there on the way. And we might fall. As Aesop said, I almost lost my balance. I lost my equilibrium. I almost, my foot almost slipped. But thank God, he was holding his hand, just like a father is holding his kid's hand, so that when the pothole comes, when we lose our balance, he is holding to grab, he is waiting to grab us and keep us grabbed up so that we will not fall. And that is the advantage of our relationship with him. Not our strength, but his strength, which holds us, sees us through when we walk through the potholes of life. 
So he saw the presence of God, experienced it. Not only that, he saw the protection from God. Verse 24, you guide me with your counsel and afterwards you will take me into his glory. Asaph recognized that even though storms of life may rage all around him, he was under the control and direction of God. This morning we sang some song, not me, not through me, but through, through God. He said, planted, not I didn't plant, they planted, I get the glory. It's like God does the work for us and we are blessed in the whole process. He knew God would guide him through this life, eventually bring him home to heaven. In the long run, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Even though, as we sang, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Those words came on the screen as well. Thirdly, person of Jesus, verse 25, 26, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Asaph comes to the conclusion that the Lord is all that he needs in this life or in the life to come. He has forgotten about the pleasures, uh, the pleasure-filled lives that those people had around him. Uh, and he realized the greatest blessing is a personal relationship with Jesus, that alone is the answer to all issues. There are troubles, there are potholes, there are struggles, but in the long run, the sanctuary we gives you from where we come, where we are, and where we are going, there is a difference in our destiny and the destiny of the others who are so-called successful. <coughs> Some of you, I'm going to name a few more. You may have heard of a lady called Joni Erickson Tada. She was a young girl, 17 years old, and she jumped into the swimming pool, but it was in the shallow end, and she broke her neck, and she became paralyzed from neck onwards, and she was bound in a wheelchair. A young girl of 17 who has so many dreams in her life, all dreams came to nothing in an instant. She was crying out, why, why, why? But then she found a why. She developed a relationship with Jesus, and she found meaning in life. In the midst of the wheelchair, she began to eventually uh, have TV programs which are watched worldwide and people are tremendously encouraged when they listen to her because when she shares, she shares of her own experience. She has written several books and those are very well read. She learned to, because she is paralyzed from the neck down, she learned to hold a brush in her mouth and do some paintings and those paintings are being sold at a fabulous price. This could have ended in a tragedy her life could have been shattered, but she found a new lease of life, much more greater impact than many of us in spite of her situation. You have heard about a man called Nick Wujik who has no hands and no feet and he is one of the top-notch motivational speakers <clears throat> and he is full of joy. How can you have joy when you have no hands and no legs? Because it is not to do with hands or legs, it is not to do with money, mullah that you have, it is about a relationship and that relationship makes a world of a difference for him. Excuse me. Fanny Crosby, born somewhere in 1820, who lost her father when she was six months old, and she lost her eyesight because somebody applied a wrong medicine on her eyes when she was six weeks old. That means she was literally blind from birth. And at one point in life, around in the 30s, she became personally related to Jesus. As it was, she had her sins forgiven by Jesus, and she invited him to come into his, his, her heart. And she started a brand new life and she became a songwriter and in all, in the rest of her life, she wrote 
more than 8,000 hymns which are till now being sung in churches over 150 years later. And, uh, and that would mean if she wrote 8,000 hymns over the rest of the life, every fourth or fifth day she's writing a new hymn. That's an amazing capacity. Some of you may know these songs, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, Oh, what a fortress, glory divine. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord. Praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. To God be the glory, great things He has done. So those were the top of the charts in her area, and I think they are still very popular in, in many ways. And uh, she had memorized four Gospels in the Bible, first five books of the Bible, Book of Prowess, and many of the Psalms. And she says, when I die, and when I come, and I'm risen again, in the presence, the first face I will literally see will be the face of Jesus. Somebody said, oh, you are blind, but see how great things you have done. What would have happened if you had eyes? And she said, no, when my eyes were shut, I have nothing else to see but only one. Why do you say this is tragedy? I think it is the glorious thing. Perhaps my, my, my eyes would have been distracted with something else rather than Jesus. So it all depends how we value she values it differently. For her, the most important thing is the relationship with Jesus. When that happens, everything else becomes nothing. Tells you that our joy, our peace, our real happiness is not in material wealth, not in perfect health, not in power and not in position, but it is in a relationship with, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps somebody may have lost their spouse. Sometimes your teenager may be living in rebellion. Let not your joy be connected to these circumstances you may be struggling in workplace, currently may not be having a great job, maybe between two jobs as they say, but let not your joy be determined by these situations. Another thing happened is perception of God. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign God my refuge. Means I take shelter and dream. I will tell of your good deeds. Finally, Asaph arrives at the place where he can see things from God's perspective, eternal view. No longer does he look upon the wicked with envy. Now he looks upon the wicked with pity. Now he knows they are doomed. Now he knows that the saints have reasons to shout even when things look their bleakest. Asaph had come to a place where he knows that God's way is the only way. He knows that it pays to be a child of God. As I close, I want to say this issue. There was one widow poor lady living in a particular village and she was usually very enthusiastic very very enthusiastic she belonged to a church and in the church if some preacher made some line which impressed her she would from her seat shout praise the lord that irritated now you got irritated but they get irritated some people because you shout suddenly it does disturb them and so she did that, but eventually people said, after all, this is an old lady, widow is there, poor lady, let her shout. She seemed to be ever happy. It so happened that in that church, one day the bishop was to come. And they were not sure whether the bishop will be offended, whether the decorum of the church will be disturbed by this lady shouting out, praise the Lord, hallelujah, or something like that. So one of the elders went to this lady and met her during the week and said to her, Grandma, a bishop is coming. But I'm not sure the bishop will be happy if you suddenly shout. And then the elder noticed the shoes she was wearing. They were torn. So he said to her, Grandma, this one Sunday, this one Sunday, if you don't shout, I'll buy you a pair of new shoes. She said, really? He said, yes. Ah, I'll try, she said. 
Come Sunday, she came to the service. Bishop was there, but Bishop was perhaps an anointed man. He was preaching. He was saying powerful lines. And this widow was struggling, sitting there, struggling. And occasionally the elder would look at her and she would look at the elder and she would keep quiet. At one point, the bishop made some line. I don't know what he said, but that struck a chord in that widow's life. She said, shoes or no shoes, praise the Lord. (laughs) Our joy is not in the shoes. Our joy is not in the designer. If we have that experience, what that old lady widow beggar had, she would not find her joy related to her circumstances or whatever she was going through. It is related to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you have that joy, that peace, that excitement, it changes the whole perspective. Let me ask you some few questions as I close. And these will be the few questions that I want to ask you. Have you lost your joy because of your circumstances? Are you envious by seeing the success of those whom you consider wicked? Are you watching everything from the ground level or from the divine perspective, the sanctuary view? Is the Holy Spirit saying anything to you? And what is your takeaway from today's talk? Think about it. Did you come here like Asaph, a bit upset, distorted, saying why do bad things happen to good people? And then you discovered actually we ourselves are in a bad shape. Our internal audit showed we need to set things right. And have you set things right? If not, today may be a good day to set things right. Perhaps after the service is over, I would be happy to sit with you. And perhaps Anand may be happy to sit with you and help you to sort things out, your audit may show the lacks that are there. And with Christ's help, things can be brought back in the shape. Right? But it's, it's your call. How would you like to do? I pray that we will be like Asaph, who though began wobbly, but somewhere he got the perspective which enabled him to emerge out very stable. Pray that when you leave this place, you leave this place very stable. So let's bow ahead. I'll give you 30 seconds in your mind to just make a short prayer quietly. And then I'll close in prayer. Father, I thank you for the honesty of people who wrote in the scriptures the struggles they had how they were shaken up, how they lost their equilibrium, their balance. Their foot almost slipped as they envied the wicked and at one point became like a brute beast. But thank you, Lord. As they did the audit, they discovered where they fell short and they responded to you, decided to relate to you, allow you to hold their hands. You gave them a divine perspective and that helped them to steady their feet thereafter. We thank you, Lord, just like those people whose blindfolds were removed and they saw the reality. They were not measuring everything by their experience, but by the reality that was given to them. I pray, Lord, for all of us 
that we may have a reality, understanding of reality today. And may our perspective change. May we begin to desire a deep relationship with you, Lord, as the most satisfying thing, as the most enduring thing, as the one that will take us through, through eternity. That there will be the peace of God and the joy of God which will arise out of our relationship with you. And like that widow who was so thrilled, irrespective of the facts that she had nothing else in her life, but she had a relationship with you. I pray, Lord, for many of us, we would have that kind of deep relationship and that will be the cause of our joy and peace. Bless us and be with us. Pray, Lord, that today we will make peace with you, reconcile with you, get our things sorted out so that we may be able to live a different life and the way we have come. May we leave this hall in a far different way than what we have walked in. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.